I don't know if you remember where you were uh, this Sunday last year. Uh, you weren't here, none of you. Um, because, I know that, because we were, this building was closed down. There was no electricity. Uh, no, the gas explosions happened on the Thursday, and uh, they were, uh, there was fires and explosions, and uh, it, was a, it was a terrible time. And, and we didn't have power back until that Sunday afternoon. I think the power came back on in this neighborhood, the house where I live, in this building. And uh, then we had that long process of trying to restore and replace all our stuff. Remember we had a hole cut in the window over there, and the heat was coming. It got way too cold in here, and we turned it on, and it got way too hot in here, and we just couldn't, it was just a long, and then not till February did we finally get everything relit, and the stove was working in our new hood, which looks like a, they built a spaceship on the back of our church, but whatever, it's, they paid for it, so, um, so we have new stuff, and it's, it's wonderful, but man, that was quite a, a crazy season. One of the things that really helped us as a family uh, get through that well was that our neighbors, we started kind of a text group, and whenever somebody would discover a way to navigate this situation, they would tell everybody else. They'll say, hey, if you fill out this form, you'll get this. And if you stand in line for three hours at this place, you'll get nothing. Don't do it because I just did it. And we knew not to stand in line. We knew to fill out the form. Call this number. Ask for this. This is how you get reimbursed for that. Uh, this is how you get your new water heater, your new furnace. This is, and uh, this is when you have to be home and when you don't have to be home. It was so helpful because it, there was so much going on and it was such a big disaster. And when we think about our Christian faith, it's a lot like that where Somebody discovers something and they just tell it to someone else and say, hey, I've, I've discovered something and I, wanna, I want to let you know it because you are going to benefit from this. And right from the beginning, someone discovers Jesus, they come to know him and they go to someone else and say, you're not going to believe what we just found. You got to check this out. And, and right from the beginning, Jesus' first disciples, as was just read for us, this is how it worked, and this is how it still works today. Jesus says to Andrew, come and see. And then Andrew then goes to his brother Simon, and he just brings him to Jesus. Jesus goes to Philip, and he says, follow me. And then Philip goes, goes to Nathaniel. We found the one. Come and, come and see. Come and experience it. They're just people so compelled by what they've discovered, they just have to tell someone else. This is a core part of our faith. This is a core part of our existence as a community of believers uh, that we share what we've experienced of Christ with others. And so we are focusing on this notion of inviting people uh, to a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's part of our purpose statement. It's printed uh, on the inside of your bulletin under the word, it says the word vision. But our purpose is to invite people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, a community of Christian love to develop in them Christ-like maturity and mobilize them for service to his church and the world in order to glorify God. And so we're going to focus on that first phrase, inviting people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're also, at the same time, we are putting a heavy emphasis on our upcoming Alpha course. Now, I don't, I don't want this whole thing to feel like a commercial for Alpha, and we show a video that kind of feels like a commercial. That's not it at all. We are not Alpha-holics. We know that there are many ways that people can uh, experience and learn about Jesus. Alpha is a very useful tool, and it's a very fruitful thing. For many of you have gone through the Alpha course or have invited others to, 
to do Alpha, just to explore who Jesus is. So we are, you know, considering for people, it, there's cards in your pew, you could use this if it's helpful for you. You know, who might I consider inviting? But again, it's just one way. And what I want to do is reground this notion of inviting people to a relationship with Jesus through this passage of scripture. And there's two big questions that when we say invite somebody to a relationship with Jesus, there's two big questions. One is, who is this Jesus that we're inviting people to relate with, really? And do we understand that? And do people understand that? And secondly, uh, the second question is, what is this relationship? You're inviting to a relationship. That's the word that we use to describe it. But really, it's a, it's a very big thing that people are being invited towards. So I want to unpack that today. Who is this who am I being invited towards, and what is actually this invitation? So let's pray as we do this. Father, you are you're so good. And we, we come again to your word. We know that this invitation to know you is an invitation for us that we enter into and that we experience as we walk with you. But it's an invitation for others as well, Lord. And we pray that we might be a people who extend it what we've received and what we've experienced to the world around us in love uh, for you and for others, Lord. So may our love for you, and, uh, which is rooted in your love for us, uh, may that be our motivator today. May your Holy Spirit uh, illuminate our hearts as we look at your word. We give this time to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So who am I being invited towards? Who is this Jesus? And in this passage... Jesus is referred to with a lot of different names. I want to look at four of them. Uh, the first we see from John, John the Baptist, so in verse 35. So it's John wrote this gospel. A different John is this first John here. Um, verse 35, he says, look, or verse 36, look, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist was convinced by what he had witnessed before this. He had seen, in some way or another, he had seen the Holy Spirit on Jesus in such a way that he knew that Jesus was the Lamb of God. Well, what does he mean, Lamb of God? In the Bible, in the Old Testament, there was certainly, uh, there was a lot of lambs, but the one Lamb of God was the Passover Lamb. At the time of the Passover, a lamb, an innocent lamb was killed, and the blood of the lamb was put over the, the doorposts of the house to cover over so that death and God's judgment would pass over those homes. It was trusting God, entrusting the blood of this lamb to, to cover. And that lamb points to uh, the, the lamb of God, of God's, God's suffering servant, who we meet in the prophet Isaiah, also in the Old Testament. <clears throat> Isaiah 53 says that we, like sheep, have all gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Transgressors. There was this promise of this lamb who would come. And this lamb would be sacrificed, because, not because of his own sin, but because of the sins of others. As a substitution, as in the place of a sinner, this lamb was to be slaughtered. And John 
knows, John the Baptist knows that Jesus is this lamb who would die for his people. What this tells us, if, if we're inviting people to a relationship with Jesus, this reminds us that Jesus is the one who saves his people from their sin. That, for, that forgiveness uh, is, is necessary to our living as God's people. That we all have gone astray and we all need that forgiveness. Jesus, the Lamb of God, reminds us that. The second name he's given here is in verse 41. It's actually two names. Verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. The word Messiah is a Hebrew word. The word Christ is a Greek word. This is the same word. It means anointed one. And we need to remember that. Whenever we use the word Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Messiah is the same word, Christ. It means anointed one. The one who was uh, the chosen one. And I pray, when I pray with my children sometimes at night, I pray for the things we're thankful for, and I pray for them, and uh, that they would sleep well, that God would protect them. And I pray, in Christ's name, amen. And I always ask them, what does Christ mean? Like, Dad, you ask us this every night. What does Christ mean? Say, Savior. Wrong. Uh, It means Messiah. Yes, what does Messiah mean? Because that's the same word. They say, uh... The anointed one. Say, yes, correct. We always remember that that Jesus Christ is the anointed one. He was the one who was promised that would bring God's peace, God's shalom to to the world. He was the one um, who would um, deliver people from all their oppression. He... When we think that G- when we when we see Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, we see the uniqueness of Jesus. That when we invite people to a relationship with Jesus, we're not just inviting them to um, to understand another way of looking at the world, just you know our version of the truth. Hey, this this works for me. You might want to try it. Or it's not just another way to do life. Hey, there's a Jesus way to do life. You might want to try it. We are pointing them to Jesus, who said, "I am the way." I am the truth. I am the life. Not just another philosophy, not just another idea. Jesus is the unique one, the one who was chosen by God. Uh, and, and Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me, through me. That he is the focus of our worship. He is the focus of our devotion. He is the Messiah, the Christ. The third name, or the third way he's described here, we see in verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and the one whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. So Jesus is described here as the one who was wrote about in the law and the prophets. And you could, there's any number of places we could point in the law and the prophets that describe this one. Uh, most beautifully, Moses when he had given his law to his people, he told them that God was going to raise up a prophet just like Moses. So Deuteronomy in the law, Deuteronomy chapter 18 says, this is Moses speaking. He said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. And God said, I will raise up for them a prophet like you among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command. That Jesus is like Moses in the sense that he um, brings God's promises. He, he, he mediates God's 
promises to the people and delivers them from the... Remember, Moses delivered the people from this great slavery. Jesus delivers us from the ultimate slavery of sin. And when we invite people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, if Jesus is the greater Moses, Jesus is the one who can deliver people from the things that bind them, from the things that hold them back. And we... Today, tomorrow, whoever you run into, you are going to see people who are bound by sin, bound by addiction, bound by grief, bound by anxiety. And these things hold them down. And Jesus is the true deliverer who can lead them from the things that bind them. Because Jesus is the one that was written about in the law of Moses, written about in the prophets. The fourth way, the fourth name or title that Jesus is given here is in verse 49. Nathanael then declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Really, two titles. Son of God, King of Israel. That Jesus is the Son of God. He is God the Son. This is God himself taking on human flesh. That Jesus is God. That the, When we invite people to a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not just the God of the universe who's out there, who we can uh, who's, who we could philosophize about or who we might um, try to think about, but it is God who took on human flesh and came to the earth he created to save it, to walk with us in love and to lay down his very life for his people. That the God of the universe is not just out there, but he's come here to know us, to love us, to show us the way. Therefore, uh, if he is son of God, then he is also king of Israel, king of all of God's people. He's the one with the power. He's the one to whom we must submit. If Jesus is indeed God, then he has all the authority. But he's a good God. He's a loving God. When we invite people to a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's to a God who loves them. It's to the Lamb of God who forgives sin. It's to the Christ, the Messiah of God, the Anointed One the one who was written about. This is all of who it is who we're inviting to. It's not just an idea. It's not just our way of doing things. It's not our way of being spiritual. It's the God of the universe. So that is the, from this passage, the who. But then what is the invitation? What exactly is inviting somebody to a relationship with this Jesus? What is that? And I want to, four invitations or four aspects of this invitation That we see here. The first is an invitation to come and see. Look at verse 39. Jesus said, Come, he replied, and you will see. This is the first step in any relationship. If you're going to get to know anybody, you just have to see, you have to meet them, you have to explore, test them out, even. The, The sad thing is that there are many people in our world who have never. Come and see. They've never checked out Jesus. They have no understanding of what Jesus did and what he accomplished in this world, what he left us, his very spirit, his Holy Spirit. And, um, and you notice that the invitation is always come and see. Jesus not forcing his way into people's lives. He always initiates. But it's we who respond in faith or res- respond not in faith. But Jesus... Um, that invitation, an invitation, inviting people to a relationship with Jesus is an invitation to come and see. Secondly, it's an invitation to receive a new identity. We see this in verse 42. 
So he, Andrew, brought him, Simon, to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. Not John the Baptist or John the... This is a third John. But you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means rock. Or Peter, translated Peter, a rock. Usually when you get a nickname, it's because you've accomplished something or done something. You're, you, you, it's something in your past. Jesus gives nicknames for your future. People call you Cephas, I'm going to call you Rock, because I'm going to build something on you. I see something beautiful in there. Came across a story of uh, Michelangelo, he was... He had his chisel out, and he had a huge piece of rock, and he's chipping away at this thing, and somebody comes up and says, oh, what are you doing? And Michelangelo says, I'm, I'm releasing the angel that's imprisoned in this rock. He's chipping away. When we invite people to a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're inviting them to a new identity, to become what God desires to, to make them, to be made new, to be chiseled away to the beauty that God desires for your life. That's the invitation. It's, it's, it's an invitation to have my life and my identity changed and defined by him. Because if I don't do that, then my identity will just be what I think of myself, which might be very good. It might be very negative. It might change day to day. My identity might be what other people think of me, what my parents told me they thought of me uh, when I was younger, or what, my, what other people think of me, if they think I'm a success, or if they think I'm a failure, if they think I'm good or bad. It's all, uh, it's, it's all very fickle, and it can all change. But if we inv- as we invite people to a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're invited to see ourselves as he sees us. Something beautiful that he desires to to make new. The third invitation is an invitation to follow Jesus. Verse 43. The next day they decided to leave for Galilee and finding Philip, Jesus said to him, follow me. So it's an invitation to come and see. It's an invitation to give in a new identity, but it's, then it's an invitation to follow. To follow Jesus in a world that's unsteady. When we invite people to a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're inviting them to walk with him in a world that is crazy, where we will see all kinds of things around us every day and to to make sense of it by following Jesus. If Jesus is God, he understands this world. He understands that this world is broken, but he understands how to walk through it, how to overcome it through him. That's what we're inviting people to. If we don't have that, then we have billions of people on, on this planet and everybody just finds their own way. They just follow their own heart. But I know for me, if I were to really be honest, I know that I'm, you know, not the best guy, and I make mistakes, and I, you know, if I were just to follow my own heart, it would probably lead me to bad places. And we've got, again, millions and billions of people on this planet, just, just go your own path. Ignoring the one who created it all who desires to lead us to good places, to the green pastures, even through the dark valleys to guide us. That's the invitation. The fourth invitation is an invitation to see heaven. We see this in verse 50. Jesus said, You believe, uh, Nathaniel, because I told that I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see greater things than that. And you know what he goes on to tell him? 
He says, you know what you're going to see? Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open. And you're going to see the, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's kind of a strange statement. So you're going to see heaven open and you're going to see angels ascending and descending. He's, he's pointing back to, uh, in, the, in the Hebrew scriptures in Genesis chapter 28, there was a man named Jacob. He was one of the patriarchs with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob was also known as Israel. Uh, Jacob had a dream, and in that dream, let me just read it to you, Genesis 28. uh, Jacob had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth, and its top was reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, You will spread out to the west and the east and the north and the south. And all people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And this image is um, that there's God's blessing is flowing to the earth through this family. And heaven and earth are connected and God's angels are all visible. And and Jesus is telling this man, if you you trust me, if you follow me, you're going to see it. You're going to see heaven. You're going to see, in, in your life, you're going to see God's kingdom advancing into a broken world. And at the end of all time, you're going to see the new heavens and the new earth. And it's all connected. It's all the way God intended. And we'll, we'll see the Lord. He'll be there. And we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll see it all clearly. We'll not see death and destruction and, and suffering and tears. And those won't be there. We're going to see the beauty of it all. Do you want to see it? The invitation is to see, to see heaven. To, to, to taste of heaven, to live eternally with the Lord. This is the invitation. When we invite people to a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about seeing Jesus, receiving a new identity, following Jesus, and ultimately seeing heaven and earth connected as one. Now, some people got glimpses of that heaven in their lives. There was a time at the transfiguration where, what we call the transfiguration, where there was a moment where some of the disciples saw heaven open. There was a man named Stephen. For, right before he died, for a moment, he saw heaven opening. When Jesus ascended to heaven, they, they, for a moment, a glimpse, but forever to see it and experience it. That's for us. That's what we're doing. So how do we respond to this? Um, notice... As we consider how we might be part of this inviting people to a relationship with Jesus, notice two things. One, uh, that Jesus initiates every single time. God is taking the first step here. You know, John the Baptist, he's pointing these first two disciples to Jesus and they start to follow him, but it's Jesus who turns to them. He says, what do you want? Come and see. We have Andrew going to Peter, but it's Jesus who knew his name and what he was to become. We have Philip Pointing Nathaniel to Jesus, but it's Jesus who saw him first, who knew his heart first. Jesus is always there, always initiating these things. It's his work. And we can't ever forget that. If we walk away from this place and think that this whole thing hangs on the fact if, if I invite somebody or if I don't invite somebody, if it all hangs on us, we will fail. Yet, he's called us to be part of it. 
He's called us to be part of his initiating work as we go out from this place and seek to invite people to know Jesus. What a joy that he has considered us worthy to be part of this with him. So we always remember that. The other thing we remember and we recognize is that these are people already close to each other. Andrew met Jesus. He went to his brother, Simon. Nathaniel met Jesus. He went to his friend, Philip. He, it's, it's not strangers. These are people very close. That everywhere we go, there's people very close to us, maybe even in our own homes, who need this invitation, who we can extend it to. And these aren't experts. These are people who've been walking with Jesus for a day. Hey, I found something. You might... They don't have all the spiritual answers. They don't even know fully what Jesus is about to do for them. But they just share the invitation. And the invitation is to know Jesus. The invitation's for you. And the invitation's for you to extend to someone else. Let us pray. Father, what a privilege that you have invited us to be, to know Jesus, to become your children, to define our lives in him and to follow him where he leads us, Lord. Give us the grace, give us the faith to continue that journey every day. Be glorified in that, Lord. Lord, empower us by your grace to be people who extend that invitation to those around us, Lord. And we see it, our hearts break for those who need you so desperately. But we know we cannot change your heart, but Lord, you can. So may we point the world to you, the Savior of all, the Christ, the Messiah, the Chosen One. In his name we pray, the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.